In case you haven't met me, I am Kathy Turner. I am one of the pastors here at Christ Church, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to be here with you this morning. Your pastor is in Nicaragua, and today they will be in the town of Esteli, and they are going to be having a service there and a, a crusade, and I hear that things are going well. Everybody is feeling good. Thank you for your prayers for this team of people that have gone forward. I know that God is doing good things and miraculous things there, sometimes things that we don't always have the privilege of seeing, but in that, we know that our faith is not about what we can see. It's about what we hope for and believe in what Jesus Christ can do and will do for his people there in Nicaragua. So keep on praying for them. Pray for tonight. Pray for tomorrow evening. They have another one more um, uh, crusade tomorrow evening in Leon. And they have quite a bit of traveling to do between here and there. And so please keep them in your hearts and your prayers as we continue to move forward. Just a little bit about myself. I am Dennis's wife. In case you don't know that about me, I am Dennis Turner's wife, Kathy, and um, I am a wife. I am a mother to two wonderful kids who are both married to two beautiful people that I love with all my heart, and I have six grandchildren from six and under, and yes, so it is a very busy household whenever everybody comes around to the Turner house for fun, and so we really have a great time being uh, grandparents. Many of you have probably already heard about our grandchildren, so I won't bore you with any more details about that. But I do want to just say to you this one thing. Um, you know, in, if you see me out and about, and, and by chance you see me at a grocery store or something like that, and if I look like I don't know you, I'm going to ask you to forgive me right up front. Because there are times when I know that I'm getting looks from people like, I should know you, I really should know you, and I don't. But here's the funny part about it. I, I think I have a reason for this, and it just kind of came to me. My mom, who is 89 and or 88, and she still lives on the farm all by herself. Her and my, my dad and her, they had 50 plus years together, and she remarried a gentleman who was in the church, a lovely man, a, a God-fearing man who who was so kind to our family and became such a, a father figure for me in the midst of, of even my later years. It was kind of strange what God did through Oren. But um, mom was out and with Oren, and they had just recently gotten married. And mom had known Oren for years, 20, 20 plus years, because they'd been in the same church together. Mom had known his wife, and, and of course, Oren had known my dad. And um, they were out in town, the little town that they live in, and and mom was getting ready to introduce her husband. She was getting ready to do, introduce Orin. And she goes, Hell, uh, she shook out her hand or stuck out her hand. And she said, um, this is my husband. And she couldn't remember his name. And, and she goes, this is my husband. And she goes, all I could think of was Mr. Fortney. And so she called him Mr. Fortney from that point forward. This is my husband, Mr. Fortney. And it's so funny because uh, they just laughed. They just giggled over this reality. And I love what Pastor Norm had to bring to us this morning about remembering. You know, um, remembering is a place of precious goodness of the Lord. A place of remembering. Sometimes I can tell you of places and moments. I can tell you where I've been. I can tell you the things I felt and I experienced in remembering. Something's not good. Some things that I can literally tell you there were pieces and parts of my heart that were turned off. And I, I literally became cold. And equally I can tell you the moments and the places and the times where Jesus by his precious blood 
and by his precious presence in my life. He actually turned on some places that were dead. He, he spoke and he breathed into some places in my life that had been completely dead. And he turned those places around. And so today, I am praying today is one of those days. I am praying that today is a day when maybe there is something that has been dead within you that comes to life. I am believing and I want you to believe for yourself that this will be a day of remembrance. In a few minutes, this service is going to be over. But his word will never return void. And I am praying, I am praying that this will not just become history, but this will be a place in a stone of remembrance for you. I work as, as an associate pastor, as I said, here at uh, the church. And I am also an executive director of a ministry called Hope Ranch for Women. And what we do there is we work with women who have been exploited and abused and help them to rise above their circumstances, places of pain, abuse, exploitation in, in some of the hardest and most difficult of ways. And we help them to, because of the, of the blood and the, and the presence and the power of Jesus Christ, to overcome those past circumstances and to rise into a place of health, wellness and wholeness in all mind, body, and soul. And I thought that this ministry was always for others. I had no idea what God was going to do in me as a result of doing this ministry. And the other thing that I do around here is I oversee the freedom ministry. Now, you may be thinking, oh, wow, that's, that sounds like one of those touchy-feely ministries. And quite honestly... It is probably one of those ministries that I find to be uh, incredibly uh, beautiful because it is one of those places, even in the midst of having walked with the Lord for so many years, he has used the ministry of freedom ministry to truly set me free. I have been processing through my own freedom for now quite a few years, addictions that I have had, lies that I have aligned myself with, and everyone, I have come to the conclusion, I don't care how long you walk with the Lord, Everyone needs freedom, and every day there will be another day of freedom and grace that God wants to pour over us. I have a testimony of overcoming depression thanks to the, the goodness of our Lord. I have a testimony of overcoming an orphan's heart. And when I say orphan, I don't mean by the, the fact that I didn't have parents. I mean by the simple fact that I had parents that weren't always available to me emotionally. Not by anything of their own desire, not by any, anything that they set out to do, but because of their own woundedness. And as a result of their own woundedness, I found myself wounded as well. But the most important of my role here today before you is not that of associate pastor, it's not that of wife, mother, or grandmother. My most important role and my most important identity here today is that of a beloved daughter of God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. That is my most beloved role. And it is the one that sustains me day in and day out. It is by that role that I stand before you today. And I ask that you would give yourself permission to enter into this time. Now, I'm going to talk about a few elephants in the room. And I hope to not um, bring about any kind of, of hurt or, or harm to you. But I do believe there are times when it is really, really important to just name the elephant in the room and let's address it. Let's get on with it. Let's bring on the truth and let it do what it needs to do in our lives. So there's a couple of, of elephants in our room today that I want us to address. 
First, if there is a feeling of condemnation out of, this, out of the end of this service, I want you to know that is not of the Lord. My full intent and motivation for everything that I share today is to bring in this important message out of a bedrock foundation of love. Sometimes some of the hardest things we have to say are some of the most loving things we can do for one another. And it's hard for us to sometimes stand before each other and, and say the hard things because we're afraid of hurting one another. But today, that is never my intent, nor is it the intent of the Lord who is here with us today to feel, make you feel condemned. Jesus did not come to condemn the world. He came to condemn sin. And there is a vast, vast difference in all of that. We tend to think that he is condemning us because we have sin in our life. But the reality is he is coming to take that sin and absolutely remove it from us. He is not wanting to condemn us. So today, I and this body of Christ will not condemn the world at all for the sin that they are suffering from. We will not condemn the world. But we will condemn sin. I hope that makes sense. We will speak the truth about the sin that we face. You and I today, we are going to get honest about things that we probably don't want to get honest about sometimes. We're going to get honest about the addictions and the challenges that we face. And what God has to say about those things. Romans in uh, chapter 8 verse 1 says these words. Therefore, Paul said these words. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. Hallelujah. Praise God that we are set free from that. For what the law was completely powerless to do, what the law could not do in me, what it could not have the power to set me free in, that, is, that it was weakened by our sinful nature, God did that by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemns sin in sinful man. Notice, it does not say he condemned the sinner. It says he condemned sin in sinful man. And that is a huge, huge difference. Today, we are going to take on the lies of the enemy. And we're going to participate in taking on the truth. There is going to be an exchange today. At the end of this service, there is going to be an exchange. Exchanging the lies of what we have believed and the enemy and his schemes. And exchanging it and taking on the truth of all that God has said to be true about us and for us. You see, what God sees in you is beauty. What we see in ourselves is generally the world and the flesh. So today, there will be no condemnation. And then in John 3, 16 through 17, Jesus' words himself, you can say it with me, for God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. The truth is Jesus does not condemn. And because he will not condemn, because Jesus who was perfect in every single way does not condemn, neither will Christ's church nor will Christ's people. 
We will not condemn one another. We will not condemn ourselves. And we will not condemn the world. We will love. We will take on the character of serving. We will become his people. And if you are feeling any condemnation today, let me assure you of where that comes from. There is only one who condemns, and that's the enemy, who is the accuser of the brethren. Satan wants us to believe that it is God that is condemning us. But God's word clearly states that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if you feel any shame today or condemnation, I want you to remember from where it comes. It has not come from us. It has not come from God. It comes from only one. And so if you hear it, deny it now. There will be no condemnation. Secondly, another elephant in the room that I believe we need to address you may be thinking, well, it sounds like one of those freedom messages, and you're right, it is. It absolutely is. And you may be thinking, well, I really don't have any problems. I don't have any challenges. This probably really doesn't apply to me. So if that's what you're thinking or if that's what you're hearing, I want you to do one simple thing. Would you ask God this simple question? God, does this apply to me? Then wait and listen. If you get a no, then would you pray for those of us where it does? And if you get a yes, would you receive what he wants to say to you? Again, this is not to condemn. This is not to make us feel bad. It's not to make us feel unworthy. There's only one who wants to make you believe that you have it all together. And you don't need what the Lord has in the freedom that he has for you. I've lived that lie. Putting on the great facade of believing that I had it all together. But the enemy was using it to, to create chaos. And so hopefully all of these elephants. There's probably more. You probably have your own elephant that you need to overcome. But the reality is those are elephants that are, that are used to, to separate us from an intimacy with the Father. Beloved friends, if I can do one thing today, just one, this is what I would do. I would give you the truth of the good news of Jesus and his powerful and complete work of freedom that he has for you. Why? Why would I do that if that was the only thing I could give you? Why would I give you that? Because I am convinced I am convinced your journey of freedom will impact you. It will impact your children. It will impact your marriages. It will impact your singleness. It will impact your co-workers. It will impact your neighbors. It will impact this body of Christ. And the list goes on and on and on. Your freedom will impact others. I am equally convinced of this reality that free people free people. And I am equally convinced that hurt people hurt people. And here's the reason why I believe that. I have been both. I have been the wounded person who out of my wounding, I have hurt others. I have also experienced freedom and out of that freedom, 
I have been able to see others come to places of freedom that they never would have been able to imagine or dream. I have experienced a freedom that has set me free in ways and I am experiencing greater degrees of freedom with each and every day that God gives me. Just this week, God was again lovingly pointing his holy finger on a place in my life of something that I had believed and as a result of believing this, I had made a vow. Let me tell you what it was. Many, many years ago, when we first started this body of Christ, there was a place and a time, unbeknownst to these people, they said some things about my family that became very, very hurtful. And as a result of that, I can tell you the day, I can tell you where I was sitting, I can tell you who I was with, but there was something that God that the enemy grabbed hold of and locked up in me. And I believed that this body of Christ was not a safe place. And God in his beauty and his love and his preciousness put a finger on that place in my life just this week. And he said, that curse is reversed, Kathy. This place, this place, Christ church, Christ people are becoming and will be a safe place for you, for your family, and for every soul who walks through these doors. You see, this is not a place where you will be harmed. This is not a place of condemning. I believe my freedom journey has led to even a greater degree of intimacy with God. Everything in my life, addictions, challenges, uh, hurts, inner vows, places that I have gone to in my life, the way that I have used to defend myself against the enemy and his schemes, all on my own, all by my own strength, the way I have done that, has led to a lust for more and more and more intimacy through any way that I could get it. Approval of man, food, not eating food, you name it, and I've probably tried it. Out of a desire for intimacy, and God in his precious goodness has said, my freedom can set you free of the lust of the things of this world in order to experience the intimate relationship. The enemy will do anything to destroy yours and my intimacy with God, with the Father, with the Son, and with the Holy Spirit. The enemy will use lies, he will use doubts, he will use your hurts, he will use addictions. He will do everything to steal, kill, and destroy your relationship with God. Today, mark my words, today we are taking back territory. Today we are taking back territory and the intimacy that the devil has tried to steal and destroy. Today we are going to look at the truth of what the word has to say about what Jesus came to do. 
and how he came to set us free. You see, there is a ministry of the Lord that is one of ministry of freedom. We're going to look at the scripture in Luke 4, 18 through 19. And I would ask that you do this the old school way, that you open up your Bibles. And you put your finger at Luke 4, 18 through 19. I want to set that, that scripture up for you for just a moment. Jesus had just been baptized. He had just experienced the enemy and his schemes in the, in the wilderness, the Judean wilderness. And if you've ever seen the Judean wilderness, it is a wilderness. And I'm not talking trees and beauty. I am talking about stone, sand, and, and cliffs. I'm talking about places where you can't hardly even find a, pl- uh, a, 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 a morsel of water to even drink. And it was in this place that Jesus experienced the temptation of everything, I believe, everything that is common to you and me, he experienced in a temptation from the enemy in those 40 days. He came down out of the wilderness, he came down out of that temptation, having overcome the enemy and his schemes. And he's headed back to Galilee, his home territory. And specifically, he is headed back to Nazareth, where he was raised. And in that, we see him going to the synagogue on a Sabbath. And as was the custom, they handed him the scroll of Isaiah. As being a rabbi, he would be the one. He would be among other rabbis in that, in that synagogue. Other people, other religious leaders who are taking in the word of God. And this is the word that he looked for in the scroll of Isaiah. This, you would find these words... In Isaiah 61, if you were to go back and look in the Old Testament. But Jesus reads these words and he says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. To release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He was called to preach good news, to proclaim freedom, to recover the sight of those who were blind, and to release the oppressed. And then Jesus sits down in what was called at that time the seat of Moses. That's the way people really taught back then. They didn't stand before people, they sat down. And in that seat of authority, that place of sitting down was a place of authority. And people would gather around and there would be yeshiva around that scripture. That was just read. Yeshiva, this talking out, this understanding, this asking of questions. And Jesus sits down, he puts the scroll away. And I can almost, I can almost imagine that it, was as, that it was as quiet. I mean, you could have heard a pin drop. The moment he sat down and Jesus said these words. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now, I want you to notice that came, that truth and that reality came before he went to the cross. We have sometimes believed that none of this was going to come about. This freedom, this this goodness that God had intended didn't come about until Jesus died on a cross. But he says right here, that day, before he even went to the cross, before he was resurrected from the dead, that his ministry was to proclaim freedom. 
And I think if you would take, take a journey through all four Gospels of what Jesus did, you would find him doing exactly what he said this scripture was, he was to accomplish. I think you would find him going out and healing the blind, both the blind physically and the blind who were spiritually blind. Nicodemus, who could not figure out for the life of him what it meant to be born again. And his eyes became open. For the oppressed, for the poor, both the poor who were physically poor and those who had wealth beyond measure, but still, still were considered poor. For those who were oppressed, those who, who needed to be released from their chains. You see, Jesus did it all. He went about the people and he walked with the people and he, he talked to the people and he healed and he set the captives free. This is the ministry of Jesus Christ. And it is still alive today through you and through me, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the, the blood of Jesus Christ, through the word of our testimony. This freedom, this ministry is still alive today. And don't sit there for a minute thinking it isn't. If it wasn't, if it had not been a ministry for today, he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have done it. He wouldn't have proclaimed it. He wouldn't have told people of it. So what do Christ's people do? Well, Christ's people first, as a result of this truth, we grow in humility. One of the lies that the enemy uses against humility is a, is a, is a, a very treacherous, tricky place of pride. Pride can often be cloaked in false humility. Oh, I, it, it wasn't me, really, it wasn't me. Or pride can become a root of so many other sins. But the day that I began to understand how deeply ingrained pride had become in my life was the day I looked at the reality of all that, that happened to the enemy and what cast him from the presence of God was pride. What cast the enemy, Lucifer, out of heaven forever was pride. It was arrogance. It was a desire for people to worship him. And, it, and from that point forward, it became his greatest determination to come against the very creation of God. And, and, and come against them and break this intimate bond that God wanted to have with his creation. You see, pride will keep us from receiving freedom. Pride will tell us we don't need it. Pride will keep us from growing. Pride will tell us we're okay. Pride will tell us things that are not true. But the truth is, we are to humble ourselves before God and, before, and in front of one another. If we are to boast, our boast is to be in knowing him. That is to be our boast. If we boast about anything, we boast about the truth and the wisdom and the beauty and the love and the, and the graciousness of God Almighty. Paul said, I lay everything aside. Paul being the man who had every reason to boast. He says, I lay everything that I once had. As the things that I boasted in, I lay all of those aside so that I may be, uh, um, so that I may, 
know the power of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 4.2 says this, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient and bearing with one another in love. Not sort of humble, not sometimes humble, not when you think about being humble, but be completely humble. And 1 Peter 5, 5 says these words, Clothe yourself with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. I have a guarantee that I want to make to you. And I will guarantee this. And I don't make guarantees very often. I always think there's a loophole in a guarantee. But there's no loophole in this guarantee because it's God's word. God has a promise for the proud. And it is this. He will oppose you. God will not unite his power with the proud. He will not anoint the arrogant. He will not. He will oppose you. And the flip side of this is, the beauty of this is, God's promise to the humble is, he will give you grace. He will give you grace. There will be a grace that will cover you. There will be a love that will cover you. There will be a strength and a, and a guarding that will cover you. And it will be God Almighty himself. So I guarantee you, God will oppose the proud. And I guarantee you, God will indeed give grace to the humble. James 4.10 says it this way, Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. James, the brother of Jesus. James, the brother who did not believe a word that Jesus spoke until after the resurrection. And he was the first one to lay down his pride and begin to believe that Jesus was indeed the Son of God. And he, he penned these words, humble yourself before the Lord, and then he will lift you up. You see, God is not going to do our job for us. Our responsibility is to humble ourselves. And it is God's job to lift us up. We have that all turned around. Have you ever prayed and asked for God to humble you? That's a daring prayer. I just got to say it. That's a daring prayer. But God didn't ask you to pray that he would humble you. He is asking for your will to be willing to come and humble yourself. You see, we have it all screwed up. We have it backwards. We suggest and believe that we want God to humble us while we lift ourselves up. And it's exactly opposite. It's a reverse. God is saying, humble yourself and I will lift you up. I will lift you up in due time. You see, free people grow in humility and humility breaks down barriers and intimacy will follow. Pride in my life has kept me from receiving the good things that God has for me. Pride has kept me from receiving from you. Even up to this 
very weak. You see, my pride was one in that I would defend myself. And I would defend myself from the hurt and the pain of my past. Believing a lie even against his people. All of lies will be directed at three beings. All of them. Write this down. This is, this is free. All lies will be directed at God. All lies will be directed at yourself. Or all lies will be directed at people. Others. You will learn to, you will come to a place of, of understanding that if there is a lie that is spoken, it will be against God, it'll be against you, and it'll be against people. The enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy your relationship with God, the truth about who you are in him, and the truth about his people. He will always, always send out lies against those three relationships. Your relationship with God, hear me well. Your relationship with God, your relationship with yourself, and your relationship with people. What do Christ's people do? They also grow in truth. Today, in this culture... We have this, this belief that has begun to creep into the body of Christ. And that belief, that lie is, well, what is truth? And what is absolute? Did God really say that? Did God really mean that? Did God really say that about me? Did he really say that about others? You know, one of the ways that that crept into my life was, I believe God can, and I could fill in the blank. I believe God could heal. I believed he could, he could forgive. I believed so many things about God and his character. But then the doubt came in this, in this way. But will he? That's when doubt creeped into my, into my soul. I believe God can heal, but will he? I believe God can set me free of depression, but will he? You see, I believe God can heal and restore my marriage, but will he? I believe so many things about God, but will he do that for me? And doubt would, would wreak havoc in my life. But the Spirit of, of God and His truth guides us into all truth. That's the truth. God in His Spirit will guide us into all truth. And we're going to look at some scriptures from John. Uh, I love the book of John. I love the, the disciple of John and who he was. I love that he considered himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. That doesn't put him at a, at a place that is above anyone else. No, indeed, it just is a reality of, his, of the fullness of what he believed. John 16, 13 says, But when he, meaning the spirit of truth, 
comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. In other words, what he hears the Father saying. He will speak what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will tell you of what is yet to come in your life. He will tell you of the goodness that is and the things that he sees. He will tell you how he sees you today even when you don't see it for yourself. He's going to tell you of the beauty and the holiness and the righteousness that is alive and within you if you will just give it permission to grow. He will tell you of who you are and how much you are adored. He will tell you the truth. Satan will lie to you every time. John 8, 31 through 32 says, If you hold to my teaching, this is the words of Jesus. Jesus is saying these words. If you will hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the, the truth will set you free. When we hold to his teaching of Jesus, when we go back and look at Luke 4, and we understand that the ministry of Jesus is to set the captives free, when we stand on that, when we are convinced of it, when no one can shake that, that foundation and that truth, then we can know, we can know beyond the shadow of a drought that he will indeed give us truth, and that truth will indeed set us free. John 3, 21 says, whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. Anything that comes, anything that we do will then be shown as coming in through the light and done by the power of God himself. We will come out of the darkness and into the glorious light and we will not be fearful we will not be afraid. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Do you believe the Spirit of the Lord is here today? The Spirit of the Lord is here. And as a result of Him being here, there is freedom. And when he takes residence, when you give him your mind, your body, and your soul, when you give him your spirit, he takes up residence. That means he is completely at home in you. And when he is completely at home in you, there is freedom. There is freedom. When you have given him permission to do whatever he wants and to reveal anything he wants to reveal to you so that truth and freedom can reign, he will do so. He will do so. Free people grow in relationship. They grow in intimacy with the Spirit of the Lord. They are constantly receiving him because he will lead them into all truth. You see, Christ church, that is who you are. You are Christ's people in whom the Spirit of God is at home with. He is at home in you. He is, he is there. He makes himself at home in you. What do Christ's people do? They grow in love. They grow in love. A lie that has often been said in my life has been this. Be afraid of God. 
be very afraid of him. Be afraid of the one and only perfect source of perfect love. Doesn't that sound like something he would say? Be very afraid. You can't have what he's wanting to give you. You're not worthy of it. And often in believing that God is going to strike me down, that I'm never going to be good enough, God could never love me. One time in my life, uh, quite a few years back, I spent some time with a Catholic sister here in the, in the area. And I came to love her. Her name was Sister Mary Kevin. And I spent many, many times, and we would, we would talk through things. And, and in, my, in my pursuit of this freedom, in my pursuit of this wholeness that I wanted so much for myself, um, I told her, I said these words, I feel I am unloved. I feel like I am unlovely and that God will never love me. Now, remind, remember, I've been walking as a follower of Christ for quite some time. But it was still nagging at me. This lie was still nagging at me. And she looked at me in a totally spunky way, typical spunk for a, for a Catholic nun. She said it this way, well, congratulations, Kathy. How does it feel to be so special? You're the only person on earth that God would never be able to love. Talk about rocking me back. Really? I was wanting some empathy here. I was wanting a little bit of sympathy and say, somebody come alongside me and pray over me and say, it'll be okay, Kathy. It'll be okay. You'll get it. No. Mm -mm. No. Congratulations, Kathy. You're a special one, aren't you? You're the only person on the face of this earth that God could never love. You see, the truth of the, of the matter is, it's perfect love that casts out fear. 1 John 4, 8, 18 says this, There is no fear in love. None. Zero zip. Zilch. No fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear. Romans 2, 4 says, It is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Psalm 103.13 says it this way, As the Father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. In other words, where there is a reverence, a love, an awe about who God is. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. Psalm 116.5, it says it this way, The Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. He protects the simple-hearted. And when I was in great need, he saved me. Receiving love and giving love. That is our character. I determined that at that point in my life, when Sister Mary Kevin said those words that shook me to the core, I determined at that point in my life that I would live my life loved. I determined at that point that I would make it a practice and a habit to receive and live and, and take in this love that Jesus has for me. 
I determined that I would live my life loved so that in the midst of it, because I, I did know that there could be this overflowing presence and love of God that would absolutely pour out onto those that I cared about. Remember who I told you I was? Today, first and foremost, I am the beloved daughter of God Almighty. And because I am the beloved daughter of God Almighty, he has healed my marriage, and I am the beloved wife of Dennis Turner. Because I am the beloved daughter, I can look back on the places and the moments that I sorely missed the mark of being a good mom. And I now have a precious relationship with a son and a daughter, a son-in-law and a daughter-in-law that indeed is one filled with grace. Because I am loved and God in his mercy showed me another moment of love, I am believing and I am convinced that I can receive love from you and I can give it back. That is who God's people are. That's who we are, Christ Church. We are a people of humility. We are a people of truth. We are a people of love. We are a people where there is no condemnation. We are a people that are constantly coming before him in that humility and allowing him to do what only he can do to set us free. And with every day that goes by, you will experience more freedom and more freedom. And the past will become distant and the future will be filled with hope. That's who we are. We are Christ people. That's who we are. The result is an ever-increasing freedom that we live in. As we close today, I want to take you to a, a, a story. And I want to set the story up from John 8, 1 through 11. In this story, the religious leaders of the day found a woman caught in adultery. We can only imagine. We can only imagine what that scene may have looked like. This woman caught in adultery is brought before Jesus because the religious leaders of the day didn't care about the woman. They only wanted to get at Jesus. The devil will use anything to get at your relationship with Jesus. Anything. They bring her out. They put her in front of Jesus. And they want to catch Jesus in the law. In the law. They said, Now Moses tells us to stone anyone, man or woman, caught in adultery. The law tells us, What do you say, Jesus? And Jesus, he wasn't saying a whole lot of anything. 
It says in the scripture that he bent over and he was writing in the, in the dirt. You know, we don't have any idea what he said. It would only be, it'd only be a, a guess on our part what he was doing in the dirt. So I'm not even going to guess. But I can imagine they kept on pressing. They kept on pressing Jesus and saying, come on, what would you do? What are you going to tell us to do? Because our law tells us to stone this woman. I find it interesting that if she was caught in the act of adultery, they found a woman and they didn't bring the man. Because the word that we see in the law says that both man and woman are to be stoned. That's in Leviticus. But Jesus, right there, in full truth, full love, and full grace, remembers the words of Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me preach good news to the poor. Release for the captives. Set the prisoners free. Those words had to be ringing in his head. I have a feeling it was a clarion call for every day that he walked the face of this earth. And all he said was this. You who are without sin, go ahead, cast the first stone. And I can just hear the stones that they had picked up falling to the ground. And one by one, accusers walked away. Jesus probably gets up and he looks at the woman and he goes, where are they? Where are your accusers? And he says, she says, they're gone. They're not here. Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? Her precious ones. No one, sir. Then the perfect one, Jesus Christ, the perfect one, the sinless one, the Lamb of God, complete, without blemish, he says these words, then neither do I condemn you. Go now. Go now and leave your life of sin. You see, he was not going to condemn the world. He did not condemn the woman caught in adultery. There was no doubt about where she'd been and what she'd been doing. But he did not condemn her, but he did speak to the sin. And he said, go and sin no more. This is our truth. And Jesus is on the throne now. And he is still interceding for your freedom and for mine. He has not stopped. He goes to the Father on a daily basis, moment by moment, interceding for you and me that we would walk in the fullness of our freedom. 
Christ Church, hear me well. This is who you are. Whether you see it or not, this is who you are. This is who you are. You are free. Today, we're going to open up these altars. If you've heard that you've been condemned, I pray, I pray you hear you are loved. I pray that if you have felt pride telling you you don't need this, that you would look pride straight in the eye and tell it to get out of here. I am praying that the truth will set you free, and I am praying for all of it to be built on the bedrock foundation of love and grace in Jesus Christ. God speaking today. You should not leave this place in the bondage that you came in with. Do not leave this place with the same bondage that you walked in. Do not let the enemy tell you people are going to look at you crazy because we're Christ church. And we don't condemn. Would you pray with me? Father, we come before you in the beautiful and powerful name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, to receive the fullness of freedom and all that you have for us. I pray upon your people now, Lord. Your spirit has something to say to every single person here. And I ask, Lord, that you would do a mighty work. Take away fear. And may your perfect love cast out fear in this room. That, Lord, they would be willing to come and receive. Lord, may this be a day of remembrance. A day that what the enemy tried to steal through his life truth reigns and life comes forth freedom comes forth friends I'm going to ask that you ask I'm asking you what is the Holy Spirit telling you today what does he ask of you and what does he want you to, to release what is he asking of you because I guarantee you, if there is something that is on your heart that, that he is wanting you to release to him, I guarantee you he has a beautiful exchange to give you in return. A beautiful exchange. These altars are open, and I am praying you do not hesitate to the Spirit and his voice in your life. Do not hesitate to come and receive from the all-perfect, loving Savior, Jesus Christ. We're going to sing a song, and right now I want you to stand, and I want you to come. The team will be here to pray with you and over you. Come into his freedom.
come into his blessing.